This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. There has been a major escalation in our ongoing battle with China. The two Canadians, Michael Kovrig and Michael Spavor, who were detained after the arrest of Huawei executive Meng Wanzhou, have now been formally charged after being detained without charges since December the 10th. China says they've been arrested for gathering state secrets and stealing secrets and illegally providing them to overseas forces. Our government is demanding their immediate release. China has also warned Canada against casting aspersions on their justice system. I think that's a bit rich. And this is just one of a litany of issues in the ongoing saga that was sparked since the detention of Madame Meng in Vancouver. So right now, let's go to Charles Burton, who's a senior fellow with the McDonald Laurier Institute. Hi, Charles. Good afternoon. So, uh, does this surprise you at all? I'm surprised about the timing. I, I thought they were going to hold them in the black jail, being interrogated by the Ministry of State Security for longer. I was expecting they'd be brought out to make a confession under de- under duress to what are almost, without question, false charges. The fact that they have been transferred to a regular jail uh, under the uh, law enforcement authorities, the Ministry of Justice, is a good thing for them personally because, um, you know, they, under the Ministry of State Security black jail, they were suffering from sensory deprivation, relentless interrogation, and never saw the light of day. In this facility, they'll be in a cell with probably uh, a dozen or two dozen criminals, but they will have, I, I think, exercise and the opportunity for some social contact. But most importantly, it does open up the case to um, Canadian government uh, discussions with the Chinese. So long as the two gentlemen were being held in the black jails, it was a national security matter, and we could not access people to, to discuss it. Under these conditions, they should be able to eventually engage legal counsel, and there would be the possibility of the Canadian government um, coming up with some sort of deal with the Chinese for their release or return to Canada to serve their sentences in Canada. And uh, and also, they, they, the publicity will be uh, more favorable because their families one hopes we'll be able to see them in the prison. So I, I think it shows movement in the case and holds out some hope that we can see some resolution to this. But that being said, uh, you know, the charges against them are extremely um, serious in Chinese law. The penalty for espionage is uh, death. And uh, if they're there long enough for it to come up to trial, the trial will surely um, find them guilty. There's not much possibility in the Chinese system of the truth coming out. Yeah. Uh, What did you make of those comments from China saying, you know, Canada better not cast dispersions on our justice system? Well, I think it's, again, uh, you know, uh, uh, a threat. I mean, after all, the Chinese ambassador 
had suggested that uh, the Canadian justice system was informed by white supremacist notions and has said a lot of things which are completely unacceptable in normal diplomatic discourse about our system. And, uh, you know, our system is, is what it says it is, which is an independent judiciary. But there is absolutely no possibility of the Prime Minister picking up the phone and ordering a judge to release Ms. Meng back to Beijing before the extradition hearing process is finished, whereas the Chinese system, which claims uh, judicial independence, is in fact, uh, and explicitly, under the direction of the Chinese Communist Party's um, politics and laws committees, and therefore any verdict rendered against Kovrigan's favor, if it comes to that point, will not be one based on, on, on principles of law, but based on what the Chinese Communist Party thinks is best for the Chinese Communist Party's engagement with Canada. And it looks like the trade war between the U.S. and China is heating up. So where does that leave us? And uh, where do you think, what, what do you think is going to happen with Ms. Meng? Well, I think that certainly in terms of the dispute, um, it seems that it's become a, a victim of internal factional fighting in China, um, evidently, the U.S. government had come up with a tentative agreement with the Chinese authorities to change their laws and practices to allow um, fair foreign access to the Chinese market in goods and services, so removal of non-tariff barriers and and regulations that, that prevent us from getting a fair shake in that market, and also a commitment to stop the illegal transfer of Western technologies to the Chinese state through covert, coercive, or corrupt means, um, in other words, getting the stuff without paying for it. And then last week, uh, the central leadership of China, I, I think most likely the Chinese uh, Party General Secretary Xi Jinping, decided that it was unacceptable for China to make changes to their laws and practices at the demand of a foreign power, and reneged on the deal, which is now leading to much more tension where Trump has really no choice, I think, but to follow through with his commitment to increase the tariffs in a very punitive way. And the Chinese government are probably concerned about the impact on their local economy and and the prestige of their regime is now trying to turn it into a struggle between two civilizations and relating it to the Western humiliations on China in the 19th century and the unequal treaties that gave foreigners special privilege in China. So this sort of stuff, it becomes very emotional and very dangerous, and in fact could extend beyond trade into conflict in other areas. So I think uh, as the situation is developing, one's hard-pressed to find these off-ramps where both sides can, can back down and, and declare some form of victory. It looks like it's heading almost inevitably to conflict. Wow. And uh, before we wrap things up, uh, you gave me the impression, and thank you for it, that, that this development for our two people, Michael, the two Michaels, means they have a better prospect. But is that the case in your view? I, I hope so. I mean, certainly, you know, we weren't getting anywhere as long as they were kept in secret and were not allowed to engage with the Canadian government on their cases, which was the case with the consular visits, which occurred away from the black jails. They were taken blindfolded to police stations and were not allowed to discuss the case. Now we're able to deal with the substance of the matter, and China could turn it into a negotiation. I would imagine that, you know, China might see them as a as a uh, 
a chip for exchange for agreeing to Huawei or the other things that China hopes to get out of Canada. And I think certainly China is very concerned if there is a change in Canadian-China policy along the lines articulated by the Conservative leader, that this could do long-term damage not only to China, but to China's relations with other middle powers. Okay, Charles Burton, thank you so much for that. We're going to be following this in the days ahead. Of course, we really appreciate your insight. It's great to speak with you. Okay, bye-bye. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.